Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from the lands of the Gadigal people. This is ABC News Daily. Electric vehicles are about to become cheaper in Australia, with the government securing Senate support for tax cuts it promised during the election. But is it enough for Australia to catch up with the rest of the world? Today, electric vehicle expert Gail Broadbent on what the changes mean and whether there'll now be a tsunami in sales. Gail, when I was preparing for this chat with you, I was having a look at other nations and where they're up to with electric vehicles and how good is Norway? Oh, it's fabulous. (laughs) They're about 12 years ahead of us. Oh, amazing. And it's because they introduced a lot of policies to encourage people to make the transition to electric vehicles quite a long time ago. Mm. And people have had time to adjust their thinking. And because the Government has been very consistent with the incentives that they've offered. Um, People have been very encouraged. I can see that 84% of new cars sold there in January were electric. Gail, I guess the next logical question is, how does that compare to where Australia is up to? How many electric vehicles do we have on the road? Uh, A bit under 30,000, but we have 14 million cars and utes out there, Mm -hmm. so there's an awful lot of catching up to do. So even though our sales last year were around about 3% of uh, new car sales were electric vehicles in the last 12 months, it takes a very long time for a turnover of a fleet so that, as you said, you know, 84% new cars sales in Norway are electric vehicles, but there's 22% of the fleet Mm. because cars last about 20 years before they get sent off and crushed. That takes a long time for the fleet to actually Mm. turn over. So if you've got 14 million cars out there and you're selling around about a million a year, which is what we do here, Mm. you can see it takes a very long time. Gail, let's now unpack this new electric vehicle legislation. In a decade's time, uh, you'll struggle to walk into a car yard like this and find something that's not an EV. What does it set out to do? Well, I think what they're trying to do is encourage businesses to move their purchasing towards electric vehicles because they're going to be offering tax benefits. A measure that will make a difference is removing the fringe benefits tax for all those below the luxury car tax threshold because that's how a whole range of cars get into the fleet. Mm, So the fringe benefit tax, what won't apply to new electric vehicles Mm -hmm. or hybrid vehicles, so they they are vehicles that uh, take petrol but also can be electric. Right. Plug-in hybrids, yes, you know, they'll operate for up to roughly 50, 60 kilometres on the electric battery. But then what happens is the petrol just starts kicking in and it starts producing the electricity within the car and and that goes into the battery to make the car work. So they're going to offer that Mm. incentive up to 2025, but the ordinary hybrids um, that just rely on petrol to run the electric motor but there's no plug-in capacity, 
they're not going to support that at all. Mm, and the Greens and the Independent Senator David Pocock, they really got that change, didn't they, to make sure that, that those hybrids weren't part of this scheme beyond that 2025 mark. Yes. So they really pushed for that on an environmental level. Well, I think, you know, if if the aim of doing all of this is to to lower your emissions coming out of transport, then that's what you need to do. And Really, I think Australians have got the message now that we have to act as fast as possible. Jim Chalmers, the Treasurer, he thinks this is a a big win for all Australian motorists. Because we're proud to be delivering uh, something which will make electric cars cheaper in this country. But is it though? Because it sounds like it's really targeted to businesses, not households, not you or I. Well, it's going to make a difference to businesses and and that's certainly how the legislation is is being interpreted now. But what you've got to remember is those businesses buy a vehicle next week and then within four years that vehicle's on the second-hand market and more than 50% of private buyers only ever buy second-hand vehicles. Mm. So it's going to benefit them as well in in the not-too-distant future. But are the type of cars, Gail, that businesses buy... Are they really the type of car that you and I want in the end as a second-hand car? Because I don't want a ute, for instance, and I don't want a van. Sure, yeah. But there are plenty of businesses where people drive around, you know, their salespeople or, you know, the Department of Health, for example, has district nurses and they're just driving a normal car. So there, there will be opportunities for, for purchasing what I'd call a normal car. Mm, they seem to suggest that for employers, they'll save about $9,000 when they're buying a fleet. And for individuals, it might be around $2,000. It doesn't sound much given how expensive these electric vehicles can be. I mean, what's the cheapest one you can get nowadays? It's about um, somewhere between $45,000 and $50,000. Mm. And it, yes, you're right. They're not cheap. I think you have to look at the operational costs. So how much does it cost me to drive it? And and that's where I think the long-term benefits come. Because every week, if you're shelling out money to go to the petrol station to fill up your car, if you can plug it in at home instead, it's only going to cost you about 20% of the weekly bill that you've got just to run it, just to energy into it to get you to go. And so that's where, you know, over a whole year you might be spending between two and three thousand dollars on petrol, mm. whereas you might spend four hundred, five hundred dollars on electricity for that. And if you've got solar panels on your roof, that's even better because it's going to be even cheaper for you. Gail, what about how to charge these vehicles? Because I think we all know that one of the biggest problems we face as Australians is the vast nature of our country and the fact that it is really difficult to find places to plug electric vehicles in, particularly if you're travelling a long way. Mm, That's a very good point. And I think that's something that the government is really going to have to come to grips with because, in fact, our modelling showed that if you don't have government support for infrastructure um, implementation and deployment, then you could only reach about 70% of the people saying they're going to go electric. And that's because not everybody has off-street parking where they can recharge at home. And as you say, it's also for the long-distance travel. And, you know, in time, we want remote communities to be able to go electric as well because 
you know, it's not just people who live in big cities. You know, we want the entire nation to be able to make that transition and to do that. The government is going to have to support the places that are unprofitable for the private investors, and that's a good thing because we want everybody to have the benefits of electric vehicle travel, not just some people. So what's the government's ultimate aim with this? I mean, what are the targets that it's trying to reach? Well, I haven't seen any actual targets excepting to say that they want to have net zero by 2050. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to do that, we are going to have to really hurry. You actually have to stop selling petrol and diesel cars. You actually have to have that target, Mm. stop selling new petrol and diesel vehicles by 2030, because as I said to you, they last for 20 odd years. And if we don't have targets, you know, a target to stop the sale of diesel and petrol vehicles, How will we catch up to other countries like Norway or European countries, even the UK? Because they do have targets, don't they? They have quite strong targets. Oh, absolutely. And Norway has actually said their target is to stop selling new petrol and diesel vehicles by 2025. Now, that's not the case in the rest of Europe. Mm. Some countries are saying 2030, some are saying 2035. But they have targets and anyone who's in business knows that if you don't have a target that you are reaching for and that you've got measurable things that you need to do to reach that target, then it isn't going to happen. Mm. But the other thing I really want to see the government implement is a vehicle fuel emissions standard, which we don't have here in Australia. And and I believe that Turkey and Russia are the only other two developed countries that don't have it. And that's because if you don't have those targets, the manufacturers will just keep sending petrol and diesel vehicles to Australia because they actually make more profit per vehicle on those vehicles if they sell them in preference to an electric vehicle. You know, unless we have targets that match those that are existing in Europe, we will just get whatever the manufacturers feel like sending us. They won't send us the cleanest vehicles available. I've seen some people saying it's going to lead to a tsunami of sales in electric cars. I mean, do you think that's what's going to happen? No, no, it can't because the supply is the is the sticking point at the moment. Mm. Even if everybody said, great, we're all going to buy an electric car tomorrow, and they won't, but let's say they did, they're just not available because the manufacturing lines in Europe and in Japan and so on are limited in what they can produce. You know, there's um, a theory called diffusion of innovation where the rate at which people take up a, a new concept, let's say microwave ovens got invented all those years ago, you know, the first movers are the ones that buy them in the early days and then gradually more and more people see that it's a good product and they'll keep buying them and then eventually you, you reach market saturation. Well, That's happening in Norway. They've reached the late part of the market, but they haven't reached saturation. It's not at 100%. Mm. So it takes time for a market to move to to selling 100% of vehicles. So, you know, the factories have to be set up to make all these things as well. So it takes time for that. Mm, So, Gail, is there any way that we can catch up because we want to be like Norway, don't we? Is there anything we can do to go faster, to move this process along a bit more? Um, Well, I think one thing we could do here in Australia is reopen our car factories. We used to have them. There's no reason why we can't make them here. And I think it would be actually a really sensible idea because it would keep the profits on shore. But it would also mean, you know, in some time in the future, if we had a war, 
we would be able to supply our transport needs rather than relying on um, tenuous supply chains coming from overseas. What would be your message for government? Get your skates on. Gail Broadbent is an electric vehicle expert and a postdoctoral researcher at the University of New South Wales. This episode was produced by Flint Duxfield and Chris Dengate, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer this week is Sydney Peed. If you want to get up to speed ahead of the Victorian state election tomorrow, be sure to check out the latest episode of the Back to You podcast with David Spears and get the full wrap of the results first thing Sunday morning on AM on ABC Radio. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again on Monday. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.